Hello, world, and welcome to South of Hollywood. Yes. I'm so excited. I have Matt here, one of my friends from Chicago. Such a pleasure to be here. My gosh, you know, you said it's just going to be a fun time. You're going to have some wine or something. But instead, I just watched The Baptist, so I have my uh, Great British Baking Show uh, mug. <laughs> nice. <laughs> to to, to I... uh, celebrate with a little tea. So <laughs> Yes. Oh, that's a good way. I did go get some wine, so I got to drink some. That's fantastic. Okay. Yeah, I, I may need some wine as we get deeper in the conversation. We'll see. Consider this. <laughs> tumultuous award season, but it's so, so great to be on. Awesome. Why don't you just jump right in and tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're at? Absolutely. So I uh, am uh, been an assistant editor at rogerhubert.com since 2014. I think my new title is literary editor. We're trying to diversify the names since we're all just assistant editors, but it's it's <laughs> been uh, it's been a tremendous uh, honor and joy uh, to be working there, to be working for Chaz Ebert, obviously my boss and Roger's widow has been the publisher and the CEO, and she's just a tremendous person. So it's it's great to work for someone who matches with your own like worldview, your own beliefs, your own you know wanting to champion artists who have something important to say, and just and and also people who are overlooked, you know, by such places as the Academy Awards. And there's so many great filmmakers out there, and that was really my passion. I started a little blog called Indie Outlook. Uh, my, my sister coaxed me into it 10 years ago. She was like, just get a WordPress blog and you don't like the stuff you're writing about, you know, you interview anyone there. You can, you know, direct message someone on Facebook and now it actually be Instagram. And, you know, yeah, if, right. if you want to really get the word out on some films and it, it really was life changing. Like I haven't made a dime off of that site. And yet every major opportunity in my life kind of spawned from just making your own platform, finding your own way of getting the word out on stuff. And it really brings out the best in what you can do when you're really writing about something that you understand and you know that you're passionate about. So that that's really what I tell all young writers. It's like no matter what you're doing for your day job or the work, it's like you can at least find a platform, get the work out there. That'll really move you along creatively to the next step. I think. Oh, I love that. I live by that. Yes. I've definitely been an independent artist the whole journey, and you know it's been so great. I think we even met through a mutual filmmaker, Michael. Yes, Michael uh, Smith, wonderful yeah. filmmaker. Yes. Yes, and such a great guy. So yeah, it's it's really great to be able to have that independent artist community where we're championing great films and great filmmakers. Yes, no, absolutely. And and I mean, I, I'm so curious to hear your thoughts and how you want to structure this because, uh, you know, you, you're at the Spirit Awards, not to jump ahead too much, mm -hmm. but I just think the Spirit Awards, particularly this year, it really shows the value of a show like that because so there was not a lot of overlap between the Oscar nominees and the Spirit Award yeah, nominees. So they really could honor films that were overlooked by the Academy this year, which I thought was wonderful. Yeah, I feel like they I feel like they took up the mantle for sure to really say, hey, look at independent film and independent film is having quite quite the turnaround. If you ask yes. me, I think the last few years they've really won a lot of Academy Awards. In fact, they've you yes. know, the winners have been independent films. So, yes, unless people yeah. go into the theater, you get more people tuning in for stuff that's just on streaming and it's and it's and you, really the creative risks are happening on streaming for the most part they are it's it's awesome well let's just jump right into it let's <laughs> get into you know what i like to call the coming attractions what have you been watching speaking of you know yeah <laughs> in the indies you know well actually preparing for this conversation was actually dictating what i watched the last couple of days because there was a few films uh in the nominees the major like the best picture equivalent stuff i hadn't seen yet for whatever reason so ray and the last dragon for some reason i had missed 
And yeah. I just watched it this morning. That was the last, the last dragon was the last film I had to catch up on. I thought it was lovely. I think, you know, you know Kelly Marie Tran is the main actress. I, I think she was wonderful in um, the last Jedi, the star Wars film that she got that horrible toxic backlash. And I just love to see her the, you know, the forefront. And then they just kind of threw her away in the last movie. And I hated that. And I just loved her being the forefront of this film. Aquafina's the dragon is hilarious. And it was just a really warm hearted, a, a lovely film. I think it's a very strong animated category this year. And I also saw the Mitchells versus the machines oh, on Netflix yeah. also nominated. I saw that yesterday and it was very funny. I mean, it's, it might be a little glib in some parts, but I just, in terms of satire and in terms of, you know, I mean, that incredible invention of the animation that you saw also in the mm. masterpiece that was the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Uh, you know, I, I think it was just a, a, a fabulous piece of work. Yes, that's so interesting. You mentioned that too, because I actually have a friend that worked on both. He worked on Spider-Verse and yeah. the, what's it called? The yeah, Mitchell's versus the machines with Olivia yeah. Coleman is this evil cell phone. She steals the movie. She's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I definitely wanted to see those. And, um, and then our film for participant is nominated, or I think it's nominated in the animation category as well. Oh, really? Which one, which one is that? Yeah. That's Flea. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that that's my choice for animated film. I hope it wins in that category. <laughs> yes. Even though I know Encanto, and it's a wonderful film. I know. Lin-Manuel Miranda, this might be finally his Oscar, and that'd be great, even though the, the Bruno song everyone loves was Clearly. not eligible. So like, yeah. why is that not there? But, I mean, Flea, I mean, it's it's ridiculous to compare Encanto and Flea. It's too intense. No, Apples and oranges. But, but Flea should win. Something. Yeah, as far as animation goes, I think it's definitely the 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 most touching story right sure, you know sure, it's yeah. and, and again documentary um it just shows how expansive documentary can actually be which i Absolutely. think is a sort of film that should be awarded you know that that kind of break boundaries and, and it follows in a long tradition you know watch with bashir and yeah. i always mention persopolis you know these were oh, uh, Perso- oh my god i love them Mark yeah Jeff i Petrop, think those yeah. were nominated i'm not sure if they won but they were definitely nominated you know yes. animated features yeah Yes. No, it's wonderful. And I, the sad thing about Flea, I'm sorry, now we're going to jump yeah, ahead, but yeah. the sad thing is that it's nominated for international film and documentary and animated film. And I feel like there are front runners in each of those categories. So if I, if I had my choice, if it has to win something, I'd say animated film, but yeah, you know, I, I won't choice. be too sad. Yeah. It's a hard choice. We'll, we'll talk about that too. Oh yeah. I, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I really don't yeah. know. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so really, a lot of the stuff I've been watching has mainly been, you know, stuff to, you know, the last remaining things I, I haven't gotten to see. Because I've been, I don't know what your life has been like the last couple of years, but I used to see everything before. Mm-hmm. You could just go to the critic screening room every week, and I just schedule my life around that. And then the pandemic happened. I think everyone's uh, priorities just kind of shifted. There were these long gestating projects I always put on the back burner, yeah. and then yeah. once you're forced to be at home for a couple of years. Then, like I, my, my focus shifted, so I try to see as much as I can, but I'm not nearly as, you know, well, I don't see yeah. nearly as much as I used to. Yeah, me too. And I don't know exactly what it was either, but I know a few years ago I was getting screeners, or at least I was stealing them from my friends all the time, yeah. you know. And this year I'm like, man, I didn't get any screeners, so yeah, <laughs> I don't know if they just changed the technology or they just decided to change, you know how they're doing everything. But. Oh, they've changed so much. So much is either just links or or they just don't show anything. Like Sony Pictures Classics pretty much buried their films. It's yeah. impossible to see anything from them. So yeah, it's been really difficult. It's uh, You really can't see as much, you know. Wow, okay, so it's not just me, okay. Oh, no, 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 definitely not. <laughs> well, speaking of which, I mean, do you have, uh, you know, our segment on critiquing things? Let's talk about tea time. Anything that you've 
you know, you have noticed, speaking of trends, you know, where they're not making it quite as accessible to watch some of the Oscar nominated films. Anything else you've kind of been, you know, gnawing on? Gnawing on. It's interesting. I mean, I, I don't know. It's it, 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 this year is interesting because my fiance, Rebecca Martin, who runs uh, the Cinema Femme magazine, wonderful Ooh, platform for too. female and underrepresented filmmakers. Uh, you know, she actually got accreditation to Sundance this year. I've never covered Sundance as I've always been busy doing other things, but I was able to actually see a few of the films coming out, uh, specifically the female uh, directed films. And there are some really fantastic. Uh, my number one film so far this year uh, is a film called Happening that was up for, I think, Best Director at BAFTA. And it's about a young woman trying to get an abortion. And we've kind of seen stories like this, you know, you know, in different ways. But I just think this particular one, Audrey Dewan is the director. It's it's just an astounding piece of work. I mean, we're we're getting this is going to be a really. It's been an exciting year for mm -hmm. for film. I think yeah. in general this past year, but I think that what's already shaping up from Sundance, and that's what I love about Sundance, the mm -hmm. ripple effect you get those films yeah. showing up throughout the whole rest of the year, and happening is one to look for for sure. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting too. Uh, speaking of uh, Sundance, because this is the first time I got to participate in Sundance, and then yeah. it's all online. You know, yes, exactly. Hey. I know. <sighs> But, you know, um, I mean, I don't really have any critique of it, but I definitely I definitely understand better that, like I said, especially working here now, too. I mean, it's a business, you yes, know, and yes. the reality is, like you just said, there's a lot of stories about the same topic. It really boils down to how you managed, you know, yes. how you dealt with it or, you know, the 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 method that you you chose to to tell the story through. So yeah. when it's a real woman's experiences, like it happening, it's like you can tell when some real life has informed what you're doing. Right, so. right. Yeah. And I think I think that's the main thing I see that's a big shift too. you know, like we were talking about um, indie has really taking uh, it's it's really come to the forefront in the last few years. And yeah. I think the films like, um, well, of course, Moonlight winning, you know, oh, yes, yes, was an independent film. And then even for Parasite to win. Oh, yeah. Know. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I was in the Oscar room three times. It was 2018, 2019, 2020. Those are the uh, three years I was there for the Oscars. Mm -hmm. And I've never heard as big of a shriek of joy and euphoria as when uh, Parasite won. I mean, I was, yeah. a, it was a couple times, like when Spike Lee won for Black Klansman for a yeah. screenplay. Yeah. You know, there's there's certain moments, and then when Green Book won, it was everyone that had a collective punch in the gut. It was like, right, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I almost you can, you can sense the vibe in the room. But yeah, I mean, it was it was so exciting when Parasite won. You could almost tell when Jane Fonda's opening the envelope, she knew there's going to be a special moment. She was going to let it linger for a minute. And and I really, I really do feel like it had it has had an impact on cinema. I mean, yeah. you can look at even this year or in 2021. The success of you know uh, what was that game the squid, oh, squid game, game. You know? squid game which I still have to see I still have oh seen. it's so I hear good. it's amazing yeah. it's so good but it, it's not the Korean or the Asian aspect but I think it's this like dystopic view of the world that is yeah. international and as Americans you know that's we rarely get to see that viewpoint of the world from an international you know we've got our yeah. we've got our Blade Runners we've got our Dunes yeah. you know <laughs> but to see it from other people in the world's point of view is really like it's exciting and yes. um, 
And it so deals I with social commentary that, that like transcends cultures, right? It's yeah, like, exactly. It really can apply to so much, yeah. Exactly, and I think Parasite really did that, right? I mean, I yes. saw it in movie theater, and it, it, I was totally enthralled. I it didn't, I didn't care that it was subtitles or like even a different yeah. country. I was like, I get it. Like, it yes. makes perfect sense. <laughs> it's wonderful, and also I think you know, Inglorious Bastards was a huge hit, and there was like mm -hmm. almost half of that film, or even more so, was subtitles. And I just feel like when we have iPhones in our lives, it's like our eyes are so used to multitasking. I feel like subtitles yeah. probably isn't an issue for most people at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's I'd like to think at least. <laughs> well, or, or at least going forward. I definitely, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, uh, the internet now is definitely, uh, everything has little subtitles or, you know, CCAP, yeah. you know, there, yeah, I think we're getting more used to multitasking with our eyes for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Although I do remember when Slumdog Millionaire came out, that was so cool how they put the subtitles all around the screen. Like it was a graphic yeah. novel. Like there's ways to make it more palatable. But I think people are okay no matter where they are these days. Hey there. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show. Now please like, subscribe, and follow us on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't worry, if you're not on those, you can still follow us on YouTube for weekly episodes and like and subscribe on Spotify. Do it right now. Yes, that's awesome. Well, why don't you get into talking about you sure. and your career? And oh, did I spell that right? Let me hide that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, you, you told us a little bit about Roger Ebra, how, but how'd you get there and, and what has the journey been for you? Yeah, you know, the journey was I, I wanted to have some involvement in film one way or the other. I love visual storytelling. I was always scribbling down like movies. I don't have like the Warner Brothers or MGM logo and I, you know, before like some like illustrated story I'd be writing as a kid, you know, I always wanted some sort of visual storytelling connection. And I just realized, like, I grew up reading Roger Ebert. I grew up reading, you know, Leonard Moulton. But, you know, specifically Roger Ebert. I would read all just books of his stuff at breakfast every morning. And uh, I, I don't know. It just, I felt like whenever I saw a movie, I had to write it down. I had to write my feelings down. I had to work through what I had just experienced. And uh, I would just, I would just wrote reviews of any film I saw just for myself, just as a hobby. And then it was, you know, a friend of mine. It was also my mom. I have to say thanks, mom, for this. She's like, you know, why don't, exactly. I mean, she said like, why don't you just, you know, submit this to the college paper and see, maybe they want to do something. And I was at Columbia College in Chicago. They didn't uh, uh, have a, a weekly film column or anything, even though they were a film school. And I was like, I just think it'd be great to, you know, have that. So, so, so I pitched that. I did the column for a semester and then they hired me as their assistant arts entertainment editor. Uh, I was there for, I think, for like the last couple of years, and I had never taken a journalism class. I don't think that's even possible to do now. So I was taking journalism classes while I was working for the paper, but it was the best journalism class, of course, just throwing yourself right in there Doing because it. you're hired on the merit of your writing, and then you can learn everything about the formatting and everything like that. So it was, it was a wonderful experience. And then being a member of the college press uh, in Chicago, in, you know, in a major city like that, you get to make all the connections with people like Michael Phillips of the Tribune. I got to have these wonderful conversations with Roger Ebert in the screening room and he would have his little notepad out and he'd be writing and we'd be talking back and forth. And it was just, it was an astounding experience. And the first person I talked to, first person I interviewed, and that's why this award season is particularly special for me. It was Will Smith for The Pursuit of Happiness. That was the first wow. person I interviewed. It was the only interview I did where it was 20 people around a 
table. You know, the whole president going to talk to everyone at once, but he was there. He did like an hour of uh, answers. He was, I mean, again, his charisma was just off the charts. He went around and shook everyone's hand. And I thought that was his best performance at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and then King Richard comes along and I interviewed, uh, it was one of my first in-person interviews since the pandemic. I interviewed Sanaya Sidney and Demi Singleton who play Venus and Serena Williams in the film. Wow. And I, I looked up, I was just interested. I was like, how old are these actors? And I looked it up and Sanaya particularly, and, and Demi uh, to an extent, Sanaya was born like within days of when I talked to Will Smith. So it was like her very existence is like <laughs> the living circle. embodiment of my career. And it was just a wonderful full circle moment. I'm like, Will Smith, I think his performance in King yeah. Richard is, is his best. It's certainly his best probably since uh, Pursuit of Happiness and because yeah. he just completely disappears. And I was like, what a wonderful, it was just so it was like I could sort of uh, just sit back and go, you know, when I started the Sanaya, like just came into existence and now here she is, is this incredible force in this film and just yeah. an amazing performance. So it's a really, it's, it's kind of a, kind of a, a really sweet and, and a heartwarming award season on that level. Cause I think Will Smith is, is the front runner. For sure. Definitely. Oh, let's let's definitely pray for yeah. that because I feel like he's definitely underrated. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely an underrated actor. So I'm happy that he's being uh, you know, he he is being recognized in this particular role for sure. Absolutely. You know, even I mean, I think concussion, that was a great performance too yeah. from recent years. But you know, I mean he was just Mr. Cool when you're a kid. Like I was 10 years old when Independence Day came out, and you just looked to this yeah. guy like, like what is like like what's a representation of cool for our generation? It was Will Smith. But uh, over the years he's shown, I mean, he completely disappeared into this character of uh, Richard in this film and it's and and the whole ensemble around him everyone uh, matched him at at his level Anjanou Ellis who's been one of our great actors for so long and who played his wife I'm so glad she's nominated too so I'm I'm really really happy for that one really am Ooh yes that is definitely exciting so yes. let me just ask you a couple more questions Yes um, I'm sorry I kind of <laughs> No no that's perfect because <laughs> I love it there. you're that's exactly why you're the right person to talk about the Oscars for yes. sure but so once you started, you know, like you said, you put out your writing out there. Yes. Um, your sister encouraged you. You got picked <laughs> up. You know, what did you, you know, what was something you didn't expect once you became like a professional film critic? You know, what yeah. was something that was surprising? My goodness. Oh, I mean, I, I, well, I, everything was surprising in a way because you're like, how how do you make a living off of this? Yeah. How, how How does this work? I mean, the big surprise, of course, was how much the blog, even though, I didn't really know how to get sponsors. I didn't really devote, honestly, time to getting sponsors. I probably could have done that. But I just, you know, I was like, I want to work on my own timeline. I want to just, when I feel passionate, I'll have somewhere to put it and then, you know, get it out in the world somehow. But it was Hollywood Chicago. It was the site in Chicago, a film review site. They saw my reviews. They really liked them. They hired me in 2009. And I worked for them until more or less, I got the Ebert gig. <laughs> for I actually left them after about four years. It was a great experience. Brian Tellerico was my editor. And now Brian Tellerico is my editor <laughs> at the Ebert hey, site. We both got right. jobs separately there. And, uh, it, and so th that was great. But it was also, I got a job at a print magazine. It was a print newspaper in a little community, Woodstock, Illinois, where they shot Groundhog Day. And maybe oh, this is the biggest surprise, was that First of all, it's almost kind of like just a local newsletter. It's like, why, did, why does just this one town need a newspaper? But it gave me invaluable experience in terms of actually working for a newspaper, meeting deadlines every week, you know, really refining your journalism skills. And I also got to talk to people like Betty White and just like some amazing people on the, you know, on the side. But that helped me save the money to help me move back to Chicago. 
And then Roger died not long after uh, mm -hmm. I moved back, which was devastating. Yeah. And then it was, it wasn't until a year later where Chaz was looking around and saying, well, you know, I'd like to, you know, recruit some people, you know, for my team. And it was the first person I interviewed for my site. And yeah, look, Nathan Adloff was like the tech guy at the Ebert residence. And he, uh, he recommended my, is, you know, look into Matt Fagerholm. He's, he's, he's really good. And, uh, and, and, and then that's really, I, from my understanding, that's how it happened. She, she <laughs> came in for an interview and Chaz said, you know, I'm going to go with, you know, Brian for, you know, editor, which I would have agreed with. He was my editor. It makes sense. He has the editing skills. But she said, I'm just going to create a position for you. And wow. she didn't even have a name. She's like, I'm going to find a way to, you know, use you. And it's been, it's been incredible because I, 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 I do edit, I do, you know, write reviews. I love interviews. You know, I do all of that, but I also help her with the project she's working on for the Ebert site as well. And I, I do assistant work as well. So it's a whole hodgepodge of things, but she has been completely supportive of, you know, endeavors when I'm passionate about a project. You know, she really loves to nurture, you know, young people who, you know, who Roger would have championed or yeah. believed in. She wants to be that person to help elevate others. And I just can't think of a better way to use your platform than that, you know? Oh, you know, that's just so awesome. I mean, yeah. Roger Ebert has a special place in my life as well. I don't, I can't think of a filmmaker born in our generation that wasn't impacted by Roger Ebert. Yes, um, yes. I used to watch, I used to watch, uh, what was it, the show with him and- Yeah, uh, Siskel and Ebert with So, same thing for me. I think he died right after I moved to Chicago. Yeah, 2013. And, yeah, and then yeah, because I moved in like 2012. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, soon after, um, the film came out, Life Itself, and I was just like, I was like, yeah. I was like, wow, I have to live a life worthy of that type of you know impact because he yeah. was a film critic, but he like changed so much about film, so yes. much about filmmakers, so much about the culture of filmmaking. I even think to some extent he was really a, a huge champion of diversifying filmmaking too. Yes. He, he was the original woke person that was like, yes. we actually need stories coming from these different actual communities and these actual filmmakers. And we should be supporting these filmmakers of color as they yes. like really make films. And um, I always was very, that like has always had a place in my heart. You know? And supporting them because they're great filmmakers. You know, yeah. Spike, Spike Lee still yeah. talks about how, how grateful he was that Roger was one of the only people at that time. I think he might have even said the only person when Do yeah. the Right Thing came out when people were like, well, this is going to start race riots or whatever. And Roger's like, this is the film we absolutely need right now. This is showing the truth of what life is like in, yeah. in America right now. And, and, and we need to discuss it. And, and if films make you uncomfortable, that's good. That means yeah. they're challenging you. They're not just kind of giving you some sort of fairy tale to help you go to sleep at night. It's important. It's cinema is a safe space to have these difficult conversations. Absolutely. And I think that ethos is more relevant now than ever, yeah. you know? Yeah. Really oh, absolutely. We need to have these conversations. And my mom always laughs at me because my catchphrase in the house is always, oh, there's a documentary about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Whatever That's right. it is, I'm like, oh, I think there's a documentary about that. Yes. <laughs> oh, documentaries. I mean, again, and, and you've had such, I'd love to hear, maybe that's a whole other conversation, but no, you've just... done such amazing work as well. And just, I mean, it's, I think it's so hard to uh, have, you know, narrative films achieve a similar power as the yeah. documentary work. And that's why I just, I, I wish that documentaries, and I, I think they are in a way, I'd love to know what your perspective is. I think people are more receptive to seeking out 
documentaries. And I loved, you know, back in the day when everyone was just before the pandemic, you know, you'd have sold out screenings at the landmark that's right around the corner from my apartment in Chicago of, you know, films by Werner Herzog or just, you know, or Walsh with Bashir you mentioned. I mean, I think there's a real hunger for, you know, the truth. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think, um, and then, yeah, this is perfect segue into our conversation today about Oscars, you know, yeah, I definitely think that um, documentary has really has really expanded in the last again in the last few years. I feel like documentary independent film just kind of go hand in hand, you yes, know. Yes. And um, the last few years, I have just been so many good documentaries. Yes. I mean, literally. I mean, maybe I didn't notice, you know, before <laughs> because I was like in the trenches trying to like make documentaries. But yes, it's hard to have you know watch everything and make create at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So this year. I I really did, and we kind of talked about this. I really did try to make sure I saw all the Oscar-nominated documentaries because I was actually caught off guard last year when my octopus teacher won, and I was like, "Wait, what movie?" Like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't even see this movie, so yeah. this year I was like, "I'm going to watch all the documentaries this yes. year." <laughs> so I saw everything except for. Um, Writing with fire. I still need to oh, see that. Yes, one. I know, and I wish yeah. people made that more accessible. That, that is an astounding. Yeah, and I looked yeah. everywhere like to see if I could find it publicly because you know I don't like to like bother the filmmakers because then they're like, oh, is this a, a business? And I'm like, no, sure, no, sure, it's sure, just sure, a yeah. fan. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, there were so many great documentaries, and um, so. So yeah, I mean, we can we can start there with the Oscars, but yeah, I saw so many great documentaries this year. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm going to go into uh, Oscar predictions. You know, I usually like to be pessimistic just to prove myself wrong sometimes. Or it's like <laughs> if it's a film I really want to win, probably won't win, but we'll see. But but I think now that the BAFTAs happened, the Critics' Choice are probably going to start happening while we're talking. Uh, I I don't know. I think there's some definite front runners emerging in a lot of the major categories so we'll see (laughs) yeah well let's jump into it what are some of your oscar predictions for 2022 yeah yeah well you know is is there a certain uh you know it's it's so nice rotten tomatoes has a printable ballot that you can just you can look at everything on this on one page so i have it right here i don't know if we want to just start at the top if you want to just kind of talk about best picture and just whittle it down from there see see what uh yeah strikes you from there Let's start at the top. Let's save best picture for the end. That way, if oh, sure, sure. Watch this in a couple of weeks, they won't be spoiled, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we can do like the acting categories or something like that. Yeah, let's do that. And I know, yeah, I know a lot of people were pretty bummed that some of the staff awards are not going to be televised. But honestly, I don't ever re- like, Yeah. you know, I mean, I feel it because as an editor and, a, you know, mm. You know, I, I'm like, oh, I would love to have those categories, but also it's just like, guys, it can't be three hours long. We just, we can't. Yeah, you know, I, and I totally get that. I, I, I know. I mean, the show drags and drags and drags. I just think some of their filler, some of the awful jokes that they do, it's like, just cut. The, if we really want, it's 23 categories. Like, come on, we can honor all these people. We can find time for that. The, you know, the BAFTAs just did, the Critics' Choice did. I would just cut some of the ridiculous filler that they have to do on that show because there's a whole lot of stuff they could cut like you know some of the <laughs> some of the production numbers that don't even have to do oh, with the, the production numbers cut them get em. rid of that stuff just get rid of that i mean i think it's great you have some you know three three amazing women i think uh you know who's gonna be uh 
co-hosting however they're doing it, oh, amy yeah. schumer wanda sykes and i can't remember the third one yeah somebody else but you're yeah. right yeah that should be fun yeah yeah i mean so you know that could be fun and hopefully they'll allow them to write their own material because they're very funny people and if they're not funny i'm sure it's not their fault it's probably <laughs> whatever jokes they're being handed right uh, right but uh you know i think the supporting roles i mean they, i think the supporting actor categories they're all sewn up at this point i'll, I'll be stunned if, it, if it's not Ariana DeBose for West Side Story. I think she's oh, completely yeah. the front runner. Uh, and it's a, I think it's going to be a historic thing because she's winning about, I think it was, was it 60 years since West Side Story, since Rita Moreno won the Oscar for playing the exact same role. And now wow. Ariana DeBose is winning, playing opposite Rita Moreno in a remake of that film. I mean, that's, that's, that's quite historic. So yeah, uh, happy for her. I, I'd probably go with you know, Jesse Buckley or Anjanue Ellis in that category. But, you know, Ariana DeBose was great. I mean, what were your thoughts on West Side Story or just... You know what? That was one of the few... I am... I still have to catch up on the fiction films. Definitely. Oh, sure. <laughs> but West Side Story is a classic. And I definitely was looking forward to this, like, modern retake on, yeah. you know, the cinematography, like the actual filming, set design. So it definitely looked gorgeous, looked beautiful. I'm excited for any of them to win because it was a it's a great concept, modern, diverse. Yes. How can you lose? You know, what I mean? it's you know it's true, and they do a lot of really great things to modernize the story, to make it more relevant, to make it more thoughtful and nuanced. And so there, there's a lot of good things they do. I think the problem is just the original in terms of the musical sequences are so astounding. I can't listen to music without having those images grafted on top of the new one. So it was hard That's for right. me to accept the musical scenes, but everything else that did involve the music, I really enjoyed. <laughs> so it's right, a, right. It's oh, a you weird... have flashbacks. Yeah, I think I still had yeah. nostalgia for the original. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's still worth seeing. It's still worth seeing. Um, yeah. uh, as a supporting actor, I, I thought it was going to be Cody Smith McPhee for the longest time. I think he's a wonderful actor. He's like a young Anthony Perkins in Power of the Dog, really creepy. Oh, yeah. But uh, I think Troy Kotzer now, he's definitely the front runner for Coda. And, you know, Coda to me, it's just, it's the movie that we can't, we, we, we kind of need in terms of just the energy that comes from it. It's just, it just makes you smile. It's so beautiful. It's a wonderful uh, representation of just the beauty of sign language. You have these wide shots where you can actually see the language. It's not just some close up and we're like, okay, they're doing sign language. We can actually ex see how they're expressing their thoughts through their bodies. And it's an amazing language. And I just thought it was a lovely film. It's like, at first I saw it, I was like, well, that's nice. And then the more I thought of it, the more I, I, I saw it a couple more times. And it really is, it's kind of the good energy we need in this insane time to be alive. In yeah. The world. I really <laughs> hope they do win actually. I, and I think the, the the guy that played the father, I think yeah. he won at the Spirit Awards also. Yes, he's way he won at the BAFTAs. Yeah. He's way he's won at one of the SAG Awards. I, he's definitely the and he's a he just did a fantastic job in that film. He's he's the reason people cry in that movie more than anything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, I, I we could go. Do you want to do the, the the other actors that we'll move on, or what do you think? No, I think that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm which one? Which one do you think? Or maybe international feature? We could do. Yeah, let's talk about international. You know, I love the international category. Yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So, so we have Drive My Car, uh, which you know, some people are like, "Oh, three hours, I can't sit through it." And some people even talked to said, "Oh, it's too too long for me." And I don't know. I mean, it was a film that was a slow burn for me for sure. Yeah. But by that second hour, and then especially the third hour, I I was I was blown away by how much I was I was moved by that film. There there's there some monologues in that film that 
completely took my breath away. And I, I'm sure that's the front runner in that category. Although look at the other ones, Flea, we already discussed Flea. Yeah. It's in like three best picture equivalent categories. That should be like an award unto itself, but I want it to win in <laughs> no, one of these I think categories. It's, I think it's like historic. Yeah, I think it's yeah. like historic nomination. Yeah. It is, it is. I mean, so, I mean, Flea, The Hand of God was an enjoyable, <laughs> quirky movie. L yeah. Lunana, Yak in the Classroom was, was, was a sweet film. The other film that I think is is right alongside Flea and Drive My Car is The Worst Person in the World yeah. by Joaquin Trier. Absolutely astounding. And at a time where people are like, well, you know, shouldn't a guy not make films about women or, you know, shouldn't just women make films about women? This is just a great example of this guy has definitely lived with women. He's listened to women. Like, <laughs> you know, the actress, I'm sure, was a it seemed like she must have been an active collaborator. It was like it just he just understands people. It's like you can make films about people that aren't necessarily you, as long as you are, you know, listening, as long as you're yeah. actively listening and researching and doing it justice. Cause I, it's one of the best female character studies of the year, I think. That's what I heard, yeah. And um, it was a big hit at Sundance also. Yes. So, you know, and to see that, that projected, that, that like jump has only been the last two months. So it like went from being like, unknown in january to being like oscar nominated i like, know oh it's so weird how they do that yeah. like it's on my best of the year list for 2022 because it technically came out this year but right, it's just it's right. right on the line same with judas and the black messiah when they extended the release there's like that's on my best of the of the year for this year but it's yeah. technically last year so it's we're still getting the you know confused yeah was, yeah time is all messed up thanks yeah. COVID. thanks yeah yes yes exactly exactly so if you want to do the other best best picture equivalent ones I, you said documentary you saw everything except yeah let's fire. talk about doc you know um of course i'm partial to flee you know yes. because <laughs> I, I think it's a great film and i think it is very relevant and i think we oh. we need to constantly you know we need to continue to share the story of refugees and migrants because we, we don't know. We don't know and understand. So yes. even though, like I said, there's some really great movies that have come before it, I think it's just a really great touching movie. I definitely cried. I, oh. I can't lie. Like, it's, it's a complete masterpiece. It's And it's yeah. so beautifully visualized. And I, I think it does a disservice almost to have it nominated in all three of those with these other front runners because it's like I want it to win something. It's like hopefully, I hope it, yeah. I hopefully hope it does. doesn't like not win anything. <laughs> I know, I know. But but it's you know, and again, it's apples and oranges. So Flea wins, wonderful. I'm 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 so yeah. happy if it does. Uh Ascension was a very interesting film about China. It's a, I mean the, the whole scene with the uh you know, like the sex dolls and just yeah, you know, it, was a, it was a visual essay that was so provocative and you know, I again, and then as an as an ethnographer, as an observational cinema filmmaker, I really liked Ascension. I really yeah. did like it. I I thought it was beautifully shot. I thought the the tying in with the poem was just Chef's yeah. kiss. I mean, like yeah. you 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 rarely get that level of serendipity where it's like, ooh, those things yes. just like come together. So. It was like I, a poem written literally a century ago by like the filmmaker's ancestor. Or her ancestor. And yeah. so, and I think I told you, I went to the screening here in LA and mm. they had the producer there. So the filmmaker, she couldn't be there because she was traveling. Yeah. But she said that she knew that she was Chinese, but she is, you know, American. So she didn't really know very much about her Chinese side. And so when she went there to start filming and, you know, staying there for extended periods, 
they started meeting people and she just like randomly went somewhere to like hang out with some people mm. and she you know was talking about the film and the journey she was on and they were like oh you know your name sounds really familiar you know I'll I'll look that up they go to research it and they find they were like oh her grandfather was a well-known like Chinese poet wow uh that was it was right at the end of the Chinese uh don't, I want to say the wrong history, but basically sure, sure. empires yeah. before communism. So yeah, that was like this period of like free China sort of thing. And that was like what the poem was about, this changing China. And um, I thought it was just beautiful. I thought it was really beautiful. It was just so beautiful. I don't know. It's it's stunning. It reminded me of Samsara. Did you ever see Samsara? Yes, Samsara, you know, Koyanis Katsi, like, like some yeah. of those visual essays. That, and, and again, taking words from a century ago and how they can apply completely to now. It's just how, yeah. how vital these films are that teach you about your past to inform <laughs> moving Your forward you know? yeah. yeah yeah so i and that even that yeah the idea about what is china going to be like in the future it was it was really just like uh, you like absorb it you know you just like sit there and soak it in yes absolutely so no yeah absolutely i, I thought that was wonderful uh the uh, let me see attica by by stanley nelson who i've yeah. interviewed uh in the past putting a human face on you know, again, learning about history on something that we just, we know the, the calls of Attica, or remember Attica, yeah. but we don't really know the human cost and the human toll of that, uh, yeah. of, of that experience, how people were just killed, uh, you know, after staging, you know, you know, a this, protest. you know, a protest and an uprising and the people who were injured, you know, and that, I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it, it it didn't call for people to just be killed. It's just yeah. and, and people having an uprising because of the racism and because of the uh, the, the treatment. The, the yeah, the, the atrocious treatment of them, you know. Was, yeah. No, that one I definitely was like, wow. And you know, I um didn't know the history, definitely yeah. didn't know the history. But like you said, I'd always heard Attica, like uh, you know, it's like a horrible jail, Attica, yeah. Attica. Like Al Pacino says it in Dog Day Afternoon. You're like, what's that? You know, I'm just, yeah. that's why I'm so grateful for Stanley Nelson. He's yeah. he's illuminated so much of history that doesn't get, you know, covered in history books. Generally. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's how I felt. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, again, it's, <laughs> I'm just saying everything's great. But I mean, a lot of these are, I mean, but the front runner, the reason why I love those films, but they're not going to win because it's going to be Summer of Souls. It's, it's going to be Soul Summer of Souls. By, by, by Love. I cannot wait to see this on the big screen. I want to see this on, oh, on, on as big a screen as possible because I only saw it, I streamed it at home and it's still yeah. one of the most overwhelmingly powerful uh, concert. I mean, if I saw it called a concert movie, it's more than that. But I mean, the performances that are captured in this film, Mahalia yeah. Jackson in particular, for some reason I'd never seen her perform on film. Oh, no, me either. Reason. No, I've never seen that. Oh, I was, I was knocked that. out of my chair when I saw her. That's exactly her. what I said too. Mahalia Jackson as yeah. the diva. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> as the gospel diva. Oh, the force of that was. voice. It's just, it's volcanic. It's opera. I mean, you can't even put enough superlatives on it, but it just, no. what an amazing film. I mean, and it's, I mean, yeah. It's a real testament to archival footage, though, too. Yeah. I mean, for them to find it, restore it, edit it, and then to weave in the interviews to, you know, create a narrative out of it. I mean, yes. phenomenal. Yes. Yeah. So that's definitely the front runner. I'm just I'm just going to give a little shout out to Writing with Fire because I hope it's made more available to people. This this film is about the only newspaper in India 
run by uh, Dalit women. I may be saying that word wrong, but it's these I women. They yeah. say Dalit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dalit. Yeah, they, you know that. Uh, you know, they stand up to authority in ways that their male colleagues never do. And it's just an incredible film about you know this grassroots. You know, women learning. Or they, it's like basically they learn how to how to work these cameras, and they're making it happen, and they're going toe to toe with their male colleagues, and they're fighting for the truth. It's just another, you know, <laughs> incredible story. And you just want to, you know, support these women after seeing it. It's just, a, yeah, that's why I'm, interest film. Yeah. I was desperate to see it too, because uh, I did my field work in India ah. you know, with girls and children. So I feel like the, it is a serious thread throughout India, but of course, throughout humanity. And yes. so it's, it's really great to see um, women as the protagonists, right? Yes. You know, um, and and really being the people who are the change agents, and I I, I could be wrong, but I think PBS hmm. is going to start streaming it the day after the Oscars. Interesting. I wonder why the yeah. day after. That's interesting. But at least maybe it will be a platform, and now people want to see it, and then they'll see it. After. Yeah, I think that's what they're thinking. Maybe I think it. they're thinking it's not going to win, but it's going to give it that national exposure. That yeah, because even now, again. We're people who are like in the trenches here. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Most people are not going, oh, let me make sure I go down the list of best documentaries and yeah. see this one, you know? So I think they're hedging their bet that they're going to have a lot more attention after the Oscars. But I honestly, I think that's something else I've learned since being on the corporate side. You, mm. You've got to try to sell your product all the time. Yes. You know, yes. you can't be discouraged because it's not going to win the Oscar. You still have to like, get out there and get the word out. So I do wish it would have got a little bit more promotion, even leading up to the Oscars, just because yes. it would have been, it's a, it's such a timely and important. And again, we're talking about living in a time where authoritarianism is, is taking the world over and the, the, the idea of free journalism or free press, you know, an independent press, a press that is, uh, that is reflective of the society that it's a part of. Yes. Yeah, that was yes. Like the, these women are exemplifying the spirit we're seeing in Ukraine, where we're seeing yeah. everywhere people are just are not going to be giving up their freedom uh, and, and, and their democracy uh, yeah. for, for authoritarianism. Absolutely. No, I just I, I think it's great. I'll just say real quick on a, on a personal note, uh, Anna Rima Bargava is one of the producers of this, and she is the mm -hmm. sister of a good friend of mine, Prashant Bargava, who is a really promising, wonderful filmmaker who's a good friend of mine. He died of a heart attack at a very young age. And I just feel like he, I, I'm, I'm sure his spirit, wherever it is, he's over the moon uh, for his sister. Right? Just, uh, just wonderful. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, it's me. Sorry, I just wanted to take a little break. Could you do me one little favor? Could you just subscribe? Yeah, right there. Just hit that button. Just, if you just, could you just hit that, hit that little plus. Yeah, just add us. Make sure we're in your feed so you get our next episode and can comment and let us know what you think. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to watching it and um, and even talking to my friends in India. Like, have you guys seen this? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think they know of the you know the like the paper at least. I mean, it's 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 amazing. Yeah, thing, so. yeah. But uh, anyway, so and I, we could probably just talk for two hours on the documentary thing, considering yeah. your background and everything. No, we can keep it moving now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think we already talked about animated feature. I think a little bit. I think Encanto is probably gonna win, but I feel like that's Flea's best bet to get an Oscar because mm -hmm. Summer Soul's got documentary and Drive My Car's got international. So I'd yeah. like Flea to win that. But if Encanto wins, I won't be crying. It's a lovely film. So is 
Mitchell's versus the machine. So is Ray and the last dragon and Luca. I, I even enjoyed, even though it's not quite up to like the best of Pixar necessarily, yeah. but I think it's yeah. still a, you know, a sweet film and you know, yeah, there, there isn't like a boss baby in this category where you're like, why is that there? You know? Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> no. Yeah. All of these films definitely had some, uh, some deeper message, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and so I feel like for them to be animated, to show the magic and the, you know, the fun and, and even to be kid friendly, cause everything except for flea is pretty kid friendly. Yes. It's a great, it's a, those are great messages to share with the world and with young people and any parent that can sit for two and a half hours through an animated film. So yes. yeah, I, I think all those films are great, but Encanto, I mean, it kind of took the world by storm. So I don't see how it doesn't win. Yeah, <laughs> I know. We'll see. We'll but, see. Yeah, I mean, Maybe it's, like yeah. it's Disney. They'll win something else. They're fine. Yeah. Oh yeah, they won't. Yeah, they won't be losing sleep or money off of that. Or so, money. You know, they, yeah. <laughs> that's what's most important for them. But yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. So what? What do you think? Uh, original screenplay. You want to go into the screenplay category? Sure. Let's do original screenplay, and then we'll we'll aim for the best. Let's see who's the best of the night. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's see. So, so Belfast. That's also a film I did not see in the theater. And uh, so I feel like I didn't quite get the full impact that other people mm -hmm. have. I, I think it was a, I think it was a perfectly fine movie. Uh, Don't look up. <laughs> it was a film. I admit I laughed at a lot when yeah, I saw it, I but it's gotten a it. lot of uh, hate from critics. And it also is not best picture material either in my mind. No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. But but like you just said though, I think it was star studded. Yeah. It yeah. it definitely was widely viewed. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was liked by the majority of people that saw it. They thought it was funny and it's it's poignant, you yeah. know. It, yeah. it, it is poignant. And again, again, in the time that we're living in, we're like we're we are being bombarded, right? With like yeah, yeah. So I, I think it has some relevance. I personally was like, oh, it's just a gimmick, you know. I was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what people say. It's like it's too on the nose or it's condescending yeah. or just preaching to the choir, and you know, that may all be true but it's just we live in such fraught times that there was something cathartic and just seeing a film just bluntly say it yeah <laughs> you know and i wouldn't give it best picture for it but it was you know I, I didn't hate it like a lot of other you know colleagues did so yeah uh yeah king richard <laughs> I, I think is an incredible story i think it was uh again i think it's smith's best performance I think, I think the acting really carries that movie uh so much i think you know i i, I believe in that family uh, licorice pizza. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I really did. I was I, literally I about kind of, to ask you, you know, yeah. because it's so, it's so, it's so LA. That movie yes. is like, it's like, it's like La La Land status right <laughs> now. Like, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's getting hate. And I think this happens a lot during the award season because you have a magnifying glass on these films. And there's the one scene with John Michael Higgins, who's so funny in all the Christopher Guest films. And he's doing all this horribly and racially insensitive. He's doing basically a racist caricature of, of this woman that he works with who's Asian, who works you know, at, the, at the restaurant. And no, it's not funny. It's ugly. It's, it's disgusting. I think that was the point was he point. wanted us to feel uncomfortable and just like, well, and, and we're laughing at his expense and what an idiot he is. And I, I didn't think there was anything mean spirited about it, but I think the, the anger about it is just indicative of where we are as a culture where we have, yeah. You know, all these hate crimes, you know, against the Asian community, against so many communities. We had to deal with a racist president for four years. I mean, there was there's a lot that's we, we I understand why there's a lot of sensitivity to that. And if that kills the film's chances, so be it. But I think it's a wonderful film, uh, despite that one scene. I yeah. think it's a wonderful uh, film about these two people who just kind of instinctively need each other. But I like that it's not a conventional road romance. It's just the yeah. meeting of these 
two souls. And I love its portrayal of LA in that period of time and how they're, you know, taking films like yours, mine and ours with Lucille Ball. And then, you know, yeah. taking things from the man, Gary Getzman, the great producer, it's from his childhood. So he, yeah. and he was in yours, mine and ours. So it's a really interesting, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, even not being from LA, I love its portrayal. Oh yeah. Okay. Here it's like super meta, right? Yeah. Because it was an actual pizza parlor in the yeah. valley. So, you know, it's got like, it's got a lot of, it's, it's got a lot of ethnographic elements to it to some extent, you know? Yes. Because he is talking about a time in LA in a, in a culture that existed in the seventies, you know? Um, and I love the lead actress too. The oh, girl. Alana Haim from the Haim band, you know, the, the trio of her, of her sister. Her and her sisters. Yeah. They got a like rock band. Yeah. She looks so young though. I'm like, she's older than that. She's definitely older than like a high school student. I think she is just, just a little bit older, but I mean, uh, what an astounding performance. I'm so glad she was up for best actress at the yeah. BAFTAs. I, I like the, the BAFTAs, uh, the BAFTA nominees for best actress more than the Oscar yeah, nominees. Yeah. Not a single Oscar nominee for best actress was up for the it's BAFTA. The it's totally like Tessa Thompson from Passing and Amelia Jones oh, from yeah. Coda. And then the lead actress from The Worst Person in the World. That's the last film in this category, Worst Person mm -hmm. in the World. Yeah. It would be right. I, it's right in between those two for me. I think Paul Thomas Anderson, he's one of my favorite filmmakers. He's long overdue for an Oscar. So this might yeah. be his year. That's what mm -hmm. I'm thinking is. But if Worst Person in the World wins, I think that's a brilliant script. I'd be happy if that won as yeah. well. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, so that so so there's that. But but as as an LA person, you felt that licorice pizza really did. did yeah, it. I think I mean it. It really gave me again. It gave me like um, virgin suicide. You know, it gave me this period of there's like this subgenre of films that are like yeah. '70s Americana, and I just I love those type of films. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it really gave me this like, oh, if I was like, if I was in LA, you know, if I had only been born 10 years sooner, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> that would have been my like teenage years, like in LA. So I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. Oh, and it's one of the best soundtracks of the year too. The music yeah, is, is just wonderful. Uh, adapted screenplay and actually Licorice Pizza just won the BAFTA too. So I, I feel like that's definitely the front runner there. Adapted mm -hmm. screenplay Coda, which just won the BAFTA actually, which was interesting. Uh, Coda, uh, Drive My Car, amazing script. Dune, and this is the other problem I had mm -hmm. again, and I think it's because I also have, you know, a parent who has MS who's immunocompromised. I'm mm -hmm. very careful about when I decide to go to the theater. I'm, I'm feeling a lot more okay now. I was at like a packed screening of the Batman a couple weeks ago. Like oh, I'm feeling yeah. okay in being out now, but mm -hmm. for a long time I wasn't. And whenever Dune was in theaters, I never saw it on the big screen. Yeah. I don't think I experienced that at all watching it on HBO Max because I, I was bored. Yeah. You're actually right. That didn't yeah. work on the small screen. I watched no. it too. I watched it on HBO Max. And honestly, I think I had to like, you know, come back, you know, watch it again yeah. watch the rest. I couldn't sit through it in what is it, two and a half hours? Like oh, I just... it feels like 10 hours. I mean, it just it was it, <laughs> it was interminable. And I'm like, I want more Zendaya. I want more yes. of like you know, I mean, I just thought it was just so much just set up set up set up and then right when it's starting to get interesting it ends and i was like oh i, just, I agree yeah. oh my god i thought the same thing and then and then of course of course cinematically it was beautiful i mean i have yeah, it looks great it looks amazing yeah yeah and i have a decent sized television but there were just there were a lot of moments of silence and pause and space yeah. which is fine but i agree with you that i think it didn't translate yeah. as well onto the small screen and you know what i think did translate really well which is not anything to do with the oscars mm. but the way that um 
the 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 Disney Star Wars universe is on television. Oh sure. You know, like they actually they picked up the pace. Yeah. You know, because in the films they've got two hours. It's kind of like, oh, here's a scene and here's another scene and here's another scene. Mm -hmm. But on the fiction TV, I felt like they really like kept me interested. That moves at a great clip. It really does. Yeah. yeah. So I agree. I noticed that Dune was not it was not made for TV. No, they, a lot of people I know who saw like on IMAX and the yeah. sound design was apparently game changing in the theater. I just, I didn't, I didn't experience it. So that's, I feel like yeah. I, I missed that movie uh, one way or the other. So that's up for screenplay. I, I couldn't even understand <laughs> half the dialogue. Uh, the Lost Daughter, The Lost Daughter, I think is going to win adapted screenplay because Maggie Gyllenhaal has had such tremendous acclaim for that film. Yeah. I think it is a, an extraordinary piece of work. I can't say I fully understand all of its layered themes. I feel like that's yeah. a film that deserves more than one viewing. I feel like I should see more because I feel like more will, will come to play. And my fiance read the book and she says, oh, I understand so much more now, the nuances, yeah, but it's a really unconventional and amazing debut feature. Yeah, and they also won, I believe they did win for best adapted screenplay at the screen at the uh, at the Spirit Awards also. Yes, and, yeah, I think it won screenplay director and picture at the Yeah, 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 it did, yeah. it did. And uh Maggie Gyllenhaal is first of all, I, I mean, I thought that was amazing, but a lot of my colleagues brought up, you know, you know, she won as an independent artist and it is a little bit problematic because not only is she a well-known famous yeah. rich actress yeah yeah she does have a lot of film experience it wasn't like her first movie sure, right even though sure. it was her first movie or maybe second movie but you know she had a lot of privilege and benefit going into it yeah so i still i still think it's fine as an independent i think it's totally it it's an independent film to me because of the subject matter. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't think that would have gotten made had it not been for Maggie Gyllenhaal and yeah. her privilege, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't have any problem with it, but I just, you know, wanted to, you know, bring that up that it was yeah. a question, like, is she really independent or is she not, you know? Well, yeah, no, you know, Netflix distributing it. I mean, there's a lot of questions to have about, you know, what, what constitutes an independent film. And that's the thing that gets really annoying at the Spirit Awards when like Renee Zellweger wins a, 11th award for Judy and I thought she was right. cast myself and I'm like why can't Alfred Woodard get something for clemency or you know it's right, like right, why, why right. can't this actually go to someone who hasn't gotten acknowledged for you know or hasn't gotten you know at least an accolade uh, mm -hmm. so yeah no I know I I agree I mean and then Power of the Dog Jane Campion I think is a brilliant film uh you know so that that's also in there I don't know I mean I thought I think Lost Daughter will probably win but I I I'd give it to I'd probably actually give it to drive my car actually in terms of you think the, so? the, the sheer genius of the dialogue. But hey, if Coda wins, great. If Power of the Dog wins, I'm, I don't know. I'm not too angry. Yeah, I think Power of the Dog is kind of considered the lead. Now, again, this is tricky because it's it was on Netflix, but it seems like a very, it seems like a studio film. It doesn't yeah, feel yeah. independent to me, you yeah. know? So, you know, it's a little bit tricky. So, I, so right now, I think a lot of Hollywood is rooting for the power of the dog. Power of the yeah. dog. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, and now we, I don't know. So do you want to do all the categories or should we just focus on the main ones? What do you think? No, Maybe let's just do the last one. The, uh, the, the best feature or feature. Uh, okay. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, th th that's right. Cause we don't have a lot of time. Left. So I'll just, yeah. I'll just summarize real quick. Mm -hmm. Uh, best actor will be Will Smith oh, yeah. period. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's going to be him. Best actress is a total toss up, complete yeah. toss up. Kristen Stewart <laughs> was the, was the, front runner this whole time and now she's been snubbed by all the including the BAFTA. Yeah she got snubbed the by the Oscars didn't, didn't even so I don't yeah. know. I, 
I still stubbornly am thinking she's going to win it, but if it's not, it may be Jessica Chastain for the eyes of Tammy Faye because she was unrecognizable, and it was a really excellent embodiment of that woman, even if the film had some issues. Um, yeah, my so mom said maybe her. she liked it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was interesting. Penelope Cruz is amazing in Parallel Mothers. She's always at her best with Alma Dovar. Coleman's in there for Lost Daughter. Kidman, I think, is a, I don't know. I I, 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 I thought she did good. I, she did I don't good. think she was the right person. I hear she did a great job. My mom liked that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, she's good at playing the, you know, the off-screen Lucille yes. Ball. Yes. She's great at playing off-screen Lucille Ball. She does not have the ability to contort her face in the way that that, that she did yeah. as Lucy Ricardo, like yeah. someone like Kate Blanchett who was originally going to play, she would have really yeah. been able to do both. I think. Yeah. But I don't know. That's it's just. Uh, I, I think it'll probably be Chastain. I get. Who knows? Uh, directing. Uh, I think Jane Campion. It's her year. This will she'll be mm -hmm. the third woman to win an Oscar. I you know because you're talking about the the support yeah. for Power of the Dog. That's yeah. That is, yeah. is happening there. So I think it's definitely. Campion, she just won the DGA award. And yeah. so, okay, now now best picture. Okay, and we've talked about pretty much all these films, almost all these films up to this point. So, Ooh, so let's see. Yeah. We, got, we got Belfast. We got Belfast, yeah. which I thought if it was going to win any best picture award, it would have won at the BAFTAs, the but BAFTAs, BAFTA went yeah. for Power of the Dog instead and gave Belfast like the best well, British those, film award. I was going to say, and sometimes the British don't like to point out their colonialism. Maybe. So. <laughs> that could be. That could be. <laughs> exactly. That's all. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's a sentimental favorite for some people. Yeah. Coda uh, as, as the dark horse. Coda, I think yeah. is the dark. If anything's going to beat Power of the Dog, it could be Coda. It's and be Coda. I'm not saying it's a it's not a better film than Power of the Dog, but it sure makes you feel wonderful. And there's some great aspects about it. So yeah. I can't really. Well, and it, it, it's a, it would at least be fulfilling a, a a duty as a film that is something unexpected, right? A film yeah. that actually breaks out of a traditional mold or the standard, yes. you know, production series. Whereas Power of the Dog, okay, it's a great story, but what else is actually different about it? Oh, that's true. About about, about Power of the Dog just in yeah. general. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. It's you know, it's it's more like, you know, kind of like Martin Scorsese finally winning for the departed. It's like it's like it's <laughs> like a career achievement award right. for Jane Campion. It's you know, and she hadn't directed a film in many years actually before Power of the Dog. And I, I don't know. I just thought it was a very artful piece. It was a film that after it ended, my, I, my fiance and I had to walk back. What did we just see? Like it was, right. I like how much it withholds. And so it really, it, it sort of like haunts you. It's kind of stays with you longer than a film Ooh. that just hands you everything on a platter. So that's, that's, so I think that's good, why people good like story. It. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I don't know. And then uh, don't look up. I don't think it should be yeah. nominated, but I understand why it is, you know, for, I don't actually, I don't understand why it is. I think there's a certain entitlement with some big names in a film and like, well, this has to get nominated. Even if that's what I was thinking, you know, and maybe it's like the baseline, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. It could be, it could be. I think Drive My Car, uh, you know, could have had a Parasite type year, but Parasite, as, as, as you said, it's it's enthralling in a way where it just moves so fast. You know, it's it moves right. almost like, like a thriller. Drive My Car, you need the patience for it. But if you have the patience for it, I think it's going to knock you out. So if that one's best picture, great. That might have been, might be my choice, frankly. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Dune, we already talked about Dune. Yeah. Uh, King Richard, uh, I mean, again, fantastic movie uh, on so many levels. I think its its main award is going to be for Best Actor, but if it wins wins Best Picture, I won't be crying. Uh, Licorice Pizza. I would be surprised though. I would be surprised. Yeah, I would be surprised. Picture. Yeah, I would be surprised. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, Licorice Pizza, wonderful. I think that its award is going to be in screenplay. Yeah. Nightmare Alley. This is the, and this is the funny thing. 
I, you know, and Guillermo del Toro, a film yeah. like I absolutely revere. I think Pan's Labyrinth is one of the best films I've ever seen. I, I don't know what, I don't know what it is about Nightmare Alley because a lot of people loved it who are yeah. colleagues of mine. And I just, I don't know, for some reason, I just couldn't get into it. I think it looked beautiful. It just, you know, the character never engaged me. And it wasn't until the very last scene, the very last <laughs> scene, it's probably the best last scene of any film this year. And it makes you feel like the movie's better than perhaps it was, or maybe it was. It makes you right. want to see it again. I think the ending is so good that I think it kind of makes it in a way. Wow. You know what? Yeah, they've advertised. That was another big Hollywood-backed yeah. campaign. So, yeah, you know, and I'm kind of surprised it didn't get nominated for more things. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's weird that it's up for picture, but not a, a lot of else. else. More yeah. technical awards yeah. and that's it. So that, that's that's just bizarre to me. Uh, <laughs> Power of the Dog, I think that's, I think that is, the, as you said, the, the, the general vibe in LA is that's the favorite. And I think that, I don't think that's going to change. I think Sam Elliott ripping it apart on the Mark Maron podcast has just made people love it Wanna even more. It. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and then West side story I, again, I, I, I think it's an interesting experiment. It's a much more successful experiment than like the shot by shot remake of psycho where you're like, why the hell did they do that? Like, right, like I think there's right. a lot of purpose behind it. There's a lot of, I, I'd be interested to hear what you think of it. It's, it's an interest. If you're going to have like, a sense of deja vu, or if you're going to think you're having a, a new experience, it's kind of a hybrid of both. So, but yeah. it's, it's quite amazing to have a remake up for best picture. Yeah. Well, and the same with Dune. I mean, I definitely watched Dune expecting that magic that yeah. I, I felt the first in the first one, but yeah. maybe since Dune, so many films have had the sci-fi, you know, yeah. apocalyptic, you know, that, that it didn't, it didn't quite strike the same way. And um, and I'm just not a fan of Tim Lee, Timothy Chalamet, so it didn't. He no, didn't that's interesting. It it's me. interesting. I thought his performance in Call Me by Your Name was one of the best I had ever seen, and I've never really seen him be that good. as well since. I don't yeah. know why he felt somehow out out of place in Little Women, and just I, I don't know. And 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 in this one, it was just a lot of you know emo brooding, and I just yeah, I know he's yeah. a talented guy. I just I, something about that movie. The only mo moment I loved in Dune was when Javier Bardem has a scene with Josh Brolin and then Bardem leaves and Josh goes, I don't like that guy. Because then it's just the callback to No Country for Old Men and how oh, Bardem man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Said. That was the one moment I thought was hilarious. But Yeah, uh, yeah. which is deep Bones in the direction. film weeds. I love it, but no, I love No Country for Old Men too. So yes. yeah, I definitely felt like, you know, um, overall, I just feel like independent film has really, a lot of the films we, we talked about were independent projects. Yeah, well, yeah. it's a very exciting year for indie film. Yeah. No, I, I think it absolutely is. I mean, people don't realize that Coda is also a remake. I guess what I meant it's rare to have West Side Story there. It's rare to have a revered classic being remade and also nominated. But I think it was also because, you know, a lot of the out of date, out of touch choices they made in terms of casting and, you know, and the makeup and all yeah. this. It's like it, it was, it was, it, it's strong enough material to still be made for now and still resonate now, but, you know, do things you know, correctly or, you know, you know, mm -hmm. do things in a more enlightened way. So mm -hmm. I understand why, why it's done. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, do you have a personal favorite in any of these? I'm just curious. Do you have a certain one that you're rooting for in any category? No, you know, I mean, this is so funny. Like I said, because I've definitely, I feel like I've gotten a little bit of both. I've gotten the Hollywood side. Yes. I feel like I can see where they're, you know, where they're going. Um, but I don't know. I definitely was, I, I, I see Lost Daughter. I, I just mm. feel like Maggie Gyllenhaal, The Lost Daughter, Olivia Coleman. I just, mm. I just, 
I just see them winning something. I don't know if it's going to be screenplay or best film, but. Or actress, Col Coleman surprised before because Glenn Close, that's why her name is Close. She gets so close to winning. I know. <laughs> she's going to have to get oh. some sort of Lifetime Achievement Award because everyone thought she's going to win. Then Coleman came in for the favorite. I mean, I just, yeah, yeah. I was, in the, I was in the press room for that and people were just uh, the huge gasp in the room. You know? Oh my God. Yeah, I really thought Glenn Close was going to win that year too because that was, uh, I saw that movie. That was a great movie. She was amazing. She was. She, she was. was amazing. And um. I can't remember what it's called, but it was about wives. You know, it was about the wife. Yeah, the uh, wife. I think it was just called the wife. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so freaking good. Like, I love that movie. And um, and Alicia, and I saw the Coleman film, um, which where she played Queen Anne. Yeah, yeah. A great movie, too. She did. I mean, but she she gave a performance now. I mean, that was, yeah, yeah. she clearly played a psychotic queen. Yes. <laughs> you know? yeah. But um, but yeah, I was like, wow, that was a hard one. That would have been a hard choice if I was on that jury for sure. It, it, it's yeah. hard because close is clearly the lead and the wife and the favorite. It's yeah. like it's three leads. It's like they yeah, kind of all bounce. Yeah. Also just as much Rachel Vice and uh, Emma Stone in that as well. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Is there so, anyone you wish was supposed to be here or that, that, that you wish was nominated that wasn't any any glaring omission ooh. for you? That's a good question. I'm oh. sorry, I shouldn't be asking you the question. No, that's <laughs> just, perfect. Yeah. No, that's yeah. a good question. And I yeah. can't, off the top of my head, what else have I seen this year? Oh my gosh. I don't even know. I've seen so many random. It's dizzying. It's dizzying. Yeah, it's yeah. dizzying, you know, especially when it comes to documentary. Yeah. Um. But yeah, well, I'll just say for documentary, I mean, I I wish, my, you know, the film that I was a part of could win, mm. but I really was moved by Summer Assault. It really did yeah, move yeah. me. And I think we well, with a country that is in the midst of a racial reckoning, I think I think it is worth recognizing that it's a story that tries to 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 delve into that history. Yeah. And and to kind of just to use art to say, hey, we were, you know, we've been fighting these sorts of battles for a very long time. Yes. Um, and all that music you love, hey, guess where that comes from? You yes. Know? So, yes. I mean, it's everyone should remember the like the yeah. Doctor Strange Love type subtitle is or when the revolution could not be could televised. Not be Yes, and just so we're talking good. about, you know, with history and learning from our past, like this should be every bit as immortal as as Woodstock from that yeah. same era. So it's exactly. just wonderful to see it again. And just hats off to Questlove. I hope he makes more movies, you know. Well, and that's the other thing. I mean, for Questlove, I mean, that's the other thing. It's like talk about outsider art, you know, yeah. I yeah. Just, like <laughs> that's a really that's also very encouraging because, again, I think in documentary and of course, I've been fiction, too. But in documentary, we really we tend to get siloed yeah. and it's yeah. Ken Burns and, you know, it's. You know, and I've, I've asked people, you know, who, what's the most famous black documentarian you can even think of? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so for, for Questlove to come in as a musician, but also as a documenter to make himself a documenter um, and to be recognized in his first film, you know, oh, yeah. whatever it takes, same thing. Maybe it's, maybe he had the same privilege in a way as Maggie Gyllenhaal, where, you know, he had resources. He is really well known. He's famous. He was able to pull together a team, you know, to make this happen. But wow, I he he deserves an award for that because yeah. that was a that was a much bigger hurdle, I think, um, for him, you know. And then in documentary, just to come from outside and make a documentary like 
it's not that easy. So I yeah. don't know. You know, I don't know if there's anything I can think that wasn't nominated that I wish was, but I definitely hope that that film really does get the recognition it deserves because it's beautiful, it's informative, it's transformative. Yes. It's, yeah. You know, it's touching. It feels good. And, you know, it's it's a it's a part of history that we really have not seen. It really has been erased. So, yes. Well, I'll say real quick, you mentioned black documentarians. Spike Lee is every bit as great a documentarian as he is a narrative director. In, yeah. in some cases, I think it's some of the very best work he's ever done, like the uh, or, or when the levees broke series. I Absolutely. Mean, just, to like, me, he's number one. Yeah. As yeah. the famous black documentarian. But, you know, Ava DuVernay is a close close number Oh, two. yeah, 13th. We, we, we had 13th at Ebert Fest, and she flew yeah. in just for the Q&A. She just flew in real fast, and, and it was the biggest standing ovation I'd ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so we've got some work to do, but basically to have a Black documentarian recognized in the field of best film or best documentary, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. And then the one I'll say real quick is Mass. It, I think it won the Robert Altman Award yeah. at the Spirit Awards. And, you know, with, with all the shootings that happened, even just in the past year and people grappling with how do you even approach the idea of forgiveness? Uh, yeah. It's it's such a, you know, loaded topic, but I thought this was handled, you know, we talk so much about empathy at the Ebert site. And I just thought this film totally embodied that four astounding performances and Dowd's getting a lot of the attention, yeah. but you should also mention uh, Martha Plimpton and Jason Isaacs and Reed Burney. And it's a debut feature. There were so many amazing debut features this year from uh, from an actor turned filmmaker. Uh, just just an amazing piece of work. So again, there's so many. You, you yeah. can't summarize all the great films in one year, but that's but that's our job, right? It's like people yeah. championing, you can you know shed some light on what should be seen, you know? Yes, yeah, so great. Well, definitely. Oh, that reminds me. One last one. Zola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zola should have probably got yeah. <laughs> the best screenplay because yes. it was from Twitter. And so for them to take a story from Twitter and turn it into a movie, I think it's indicative of our generation. Yeah. So there's yes. something to be said about the creativity of taking things that are happening in real life and real time and making a screenplay and making a yes. movie. That's not easy to do. So I feel like they should have been recognized, but they got a spirit award. So that, that, that helped. They did. I think they got it for editing as well. Right. I think yes, they got they editing had and they got best actress for Taylor actress. Page. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. And I'll just say real quick too. <laughs> so I can yeah. just keep talking, but <laughs> you know, we, we focus too much on the big blockbusters in the technical yeah. categories. You look at what was done, not just in editing in Zola, but in the sound design and just how it wasn't just, adapting you know like this twitter thread you felt like you were in a twitter thread it was felt yeah. like a visual so i would love to see a film like zola get some technical nods as well but they don't they just kind of throw okay dune had a lot of big blaring noises so throw that i don't know right. i mean i know that it was more complex than that but i'd love to see but a film no, like right. zola get more acknowledgement that way. yeah you're absolutely right all right well yeah. we'll end it there yes oh, thank you so then. much yes <laughs> it's a pleasure Yes, for everybody watching, you guys got to tell us your Oscar predictions or tell us yes. what you think when they air. And um, how can people just follow you or continue to see your work and your reviews? You know, where can they check you out? Yes, you can find me at uh, rogerebert.com. You can find me uh, at Matt Fagerholm, I believe, on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter very much. I probably should be, but <laughs> you can follow me on there. And at Indie Outlook, uh, indie-outlook.com is my blog. And uh, yes, I, I just, I, I just want to keep shedding light on uh, films that, that deserve to be seen more. I just did my first piece for No Film School about an indie mm -hmm. called Clairvoyant, and I just I just want to keep going, you know? 
you know, just keep spreading the word on, on great films. I think that was the spirit Roger exemplified. And we're all at that site trying to keep moving that spirit forward, you know. That's awesome. Well, we are so excited. Everybody follow Matt, check him out, send him your movies. No, <laughs> <laughs> feel free. Why not? <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks for joining us. See you next time on Thank you. South of Hollywood. Thank you. <laughs>